Welcome everybody to episode 190 of the Metabeaters 2 podcast, which features myself, Ben. And I am David. And what are we up to this week, David? This week we are going to look at monsters that haven't really appeared once again in the main program. They might have appeared in Big Finish, but uh, ones that we would like back to face perhaps even Jody in season 13. So we're going to come up with uh, five monsters apiece and pitch them in a writer's room and see what's up. Okay, underrated monsters who should return, basically. Yeah, for Jody, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, 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 or or why, a big or, finish. Why not? Well, yeah, <laughs> new doctors, old monsters, underrated monsters that should return for big. Fin- that's basically big finishes stock in trade. So, <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun. I've got a list of five underrated monsters. Very good. I have my list, and uh, we'll compare and explain why. Yeah, why we think they should return. Excellent. Um, who's going first? Uh, let's see. I will go first. How about that? Oh, well, very good. Right. Hit me with an underrated monster. So my first underrated monster, I'm going to go back. Uh, most recently created was the Emoji Bots from Smile. Uh, Frank Cottrell Boyce wrote that in 2017 for okay. the Peter Capaldi Doctor and Bill. Okay. And the Emoji Robots kind of went hand in glove with the Vardy, which were the microbots, the nanobots that controlled them. Right. And with the increasing likelihood that we might have super intelligent artificial intelligence, I think this is a topic that could be re-explored with the genie in the bottle. Make sure you wish very carefully for that wish to see what happens because uh, robots can take things very literally. They certainly can. Yeah. So hang on. Let me let me interrogate this a little bit. So it would take okay. it would take place in the same society as the as the emoji bots. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I like the design. I like the concepts behind it. All right. You could do an ice warrior type twist on it, Ooh. where this time around they're good. They're good. They're they're not the problems, and the doctor is misdirected, thinking it's something else, and maybe it's uh, malicious programmers or a corporation. Although. <laughs> the uh, Whitaker doctor is loves kind of big corporations. Yeah, kind of gone on the side of big Amazon. So, so it's kind of a Caldor City style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we instead of on a kind of colony world of some kind, we kind of take the spaceship back to wherever these emoji bots came from, and we kind of immerse ourselves in emoji bot society. Could be the Kerblam homeworld. Ooh, Kerblam homeworld. I like that. I could see the same society that developed. The Kerblam Man yeah. robots would also develop the emoji bots. It seemed to be the same kind of design ethos there. Huh? Yeah. So I, I, I what, what, what's the what's the Kerblam homeworld called? It's called Kerblam, isn't it? Now that's the company. I don't think we've ever they named they named they named the company after the planet they're from. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they're slavish devotees of Terry Nation. The planet so they... Kerblamus. Kerblamus, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to give that um, a rewarding points, or thumbs up, oh, thumbs down. Sure. Is this uh, actually a, a competition? Uh, are you going to under? Are you going to give give writers this uh, mandate? Yeah, I will give writers this mandate. Um, I have to say, this sounds a bit boring to me. Okay. But uh, <laughs> if we spice it up with some murder, I'd like the Kerblam men to become evil. 
and maybe there's like an inter-robot war between Kablam men and um, emoji bots. Hmm. Okay. Kabl- anyway, so yeah, so I not, I not enough blood and guts for you with just emoji. Bots. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I am giving it a thumbs up. We're going to put this out to a script writer who's going to come up with a good script yep. for us. Okay. You've greenlit. All right. Greenlit. Exactly. What's your underrated monster to suggest here? Underrated monster is fish people. Oh, from yeah, the underwater menace. They are the underwater. Well, no, are they the underwater menace? I don't know. Um, it's unclear. Unclear what the underwater menace is. Only that there's plenty of menace underwater. I think. I mean, I'm not. This is not an original thought. I'm. You know, I'm obviously stealing from from other things. But you know, the whole body horror aspect of of fish people not properly explored, and I think for many years ignored by fandom connoisseurs of the show because mm-hmm. they look so ridiculous mm-hmm. but the fact that these are people who are surgically altered certainly the implication is surgically altered by force to be underwater creatures that seems kind of horrible to me and it's also there's an element to it there's also an element of kind of hp lovecraft and fish people and kind of denizens of the deep mm-hmm. and you know unnameable horrors well let's just call it an underwater menace and I think it's time for the fish people to come back. Um, they've been, I don't know, they've been languishing in a cavern um, after the destruction <laughs> of Atlantis. Um, I don't know. And there's an evil scientist, I don't know, like a Dr. Moreau. So this is like the island of Dr. Moreau, but instead of turning animals into humans, he's turning humans into fish. What if you uh, made this willing modifications kind of combine it with uh genetic modifications like crispr or true uh people who are wanting to get the aqua lungs or the uh, water breathing aspect of it and it's uh look at what makes a person human are the fish people still human are they still people or are they something else is it, is it so it's kind of fish people rights kind of thing fish people are kind of well, looked down upon in their oyster collecting ways well maybe it's more of a exploration of uh what is humanity well i guess you could do fish persons right but more of an explanation of humanity and what would prompt a person wanting to change you could tie it into climate change with uh oh yes tie into climate change very good with uh rising sea levels or something i I think chibnall would like that tie into climate change um on the land it's the what are the dregs (laughs) on the sea it's the fish people and the fish people are good they're gentle people but basically the human race has opted to go under the knife um yeah i I, yeah i like that that's a good idea Mm -hmm. some kind of conflict with uh there's food shortages in Underwater Menace that all the food had to be fresh. So maybe with the like uh, acidification of the oceans that yeah. food sources are as scarce on land as they are under the sea. Yeah, and I think what we're going to do is, but the the main thing is we're going to keep the same costume design. We're not going to change it at all. <laughs> They're going to look exactly the same. I don't want, I don't want any, you know, like... Um, kind of Silurian style reboots. These mm. the fish people are going to look just like fish people are supposed to. Mm. They're all glittery. They're like belegged mermaids with big round eyes. I mean, they're kind of related to cryons, basically. Um, <laughs> aqua cryons. So, aqua cryons. They're the aqua cryons. There you go. Anyway, so there's a lot. There's a lot we could do here with fish people. So that's my pitch. All right, another greenlit concept for. Season 13 coming up. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to pitch The Whispermen. 
Stephen Moffat's creation from The Name of the Doctor. They were the minions of the great intelligence, Mm. the iconic Richard E. Grant. And if you remember them, they were featureless, ghastly, pale, white faces with black lipstick around their mouths and sharp, pointy teeth. And they were dressed in the Victorian top hat and top coat. And they whispered to kill. And they spoke in rhyming couplets. And they hissed. What was the reason the great intelligence had switched from yetis to whisper men? Uh, probably uh, licensing and royalties <laughs> from the Hazeman Lincoln estate would be my guess. Licensing <laughs> issues prompted the great intelligence to come up with another avatar. I think really the the yeti, as certainly in the abominable snowmen, were seen as cute teddy bear, cuddly yeti, and they tried to spooky him up with giving him glowing red eyes in the web of fear yeah and then moffat did the snowmen which were actually you know snow snowmen in uh the snowmen and i just think this is a manifestation of uh walter simeon richard e grant look of a victorian in a top coat and a top hat just another manifestation of the great intelligence i don't think the story would have worked really well, the name of the Doctor, if instead of the Whisperman, you had the Whispering Yeti. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to agree with this. This is not being greenlit, I'm afraid. And I'm, okay. I'm going to give you a couple of reasons. The first of which All is right. the... I, well, one thing I like about The Great Intelligence is that it's got very little imagination. And <laughs> basically, when it comes up with a av- robotic avatar, it just sticks with it. And it doesn't really bother to... Because it's a great intelligence. It's the most... In- it's the most intelligent thing that's ever existed. At least that's what it thinks it is. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, Yeti, that's good. Worked in the Himalayas. That's going to work in London. So I, 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 I it, it, it is a, it, it does is, nothing for you. It is kind of a foolish. It's a foolish intelligence, and I, <laughs> I like the idea of it just desperately trying to shoehorn in Yeti <laughs> to any applicable situation and thinking that that's going to be okay. The other thing is, I thought the Whisper Men were too reminiscent for me of the mysterious white-faced whispering men from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah, um, see, I never watched Buffy. So yeah, I, I, I picked I, up on that. I've just looked it up on my phone. It's um, season four, episode ten. Hush, and they arrive in Sunnydale, and they steal everyone's voices, mm. and they have white faces. They're dressed in suits. They're not wearing top hats because it's California, but they might as well be. <laughs> so I, I was not impressed with the Whisperman. I did like Richard E. Grant. He's an excellent, great intelligence, mm-hmm. um, but I would have preferred him to have been surrounded by ridiculous-looking Yeti. So. Yeah. See, my reason for the Whispermen is I like them infinitely more than the Silence. I thought the Silence, the Men in Black type look, were pretty uh, a pretty lame monster that Moffat created. I thought the Whispermen had a lot more fear factor for me than the Silence. True. And not being able to remember. True. And like the Weeping Angels, I think the Silence had uh, a rule book that was hard to understand. At least that mm. rule book got bent mm-hmm. whenever the plot needed the rule book to get bent. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is fine. They were just a boring monster in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, and I think, I, I'm afraid I also find the Whispermen to be a little bit dull. So, um, okay. I mean, you can go away, you can get me a good script for this, and we'll look <laughs> at it again. Um, but you're doing it on your own time, basically. All right, so okay. your monster. Next monster. Next monster is the Mechanoids. Ah, we just saw the return of the Mechanoids from James Goss and the Daleks. 
video series. Yes, so I'm aware they have sort of returned, <laughs> that's true. But I was disappointed by that. I was excited to have to see them back again, but I was disappointed that they were the good guys. Um, mm. a spoiler alert in in the Daleks and I was also disappointed that they'd got kind of compassionate sort of lady voices ah. the thing that I like about the mechanoids the most is the way that they talk I also I'm a bit like the Yeti really um, they're mm-hmm. very clumsy and really not suited they're even less suited for general conquering and destroying than the Daleks are basically um, they, they require a flat surface so they can't go upstairs. Um, they are incredibly bulky, so they can't go through doors. Um, they can't really hide around anything. But the thing that they do have going for them is that they only really appeared once. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me they have that kind of logic. Um, the way that they speak with the kind of one zero sort of voice is really, really creepy. It's kind of Whisperman style creepy for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing them coming back and actually being the, the, the massively logical creatures that the Cybermen were originally mm. set as. Okay, these creatures were creatures of logic and only do logic. Now, obviously, over time, the Cybermen sort of like dumped that really because it made for kind of, you know, uh, it was hard to write, basically. Right, um, right. But let's have some super logical creatures that are actually incapable of any kind of human emotion because they're literally just big balls mm-hmm. that uh, that glide about. And um, I like also like the idea, I mean, maybe a little bit like your keenness for the, um, uh, uh, the emoji bots. I like the idea that they're kind of abandoned robots um, that have had to form their own society of some kind. And um, I think it's time for the mechanoids to come back but hmm. as proper mechanoids. The mechanoids are a lot like the Vardy slash emoji bots where they're very logical yep. and it's uh, ultimately their wrongdoing or their evil could be the result of programming errors being a program being carried out very literally to, you know, if you program to serve mankind, you don't really know what you're going to get that way type uh, outcome yep yep uh the mechanoids are definitely an alien race not a human created faction at least that's how they've uh turned out in the program i believe that is true they are wildly impractical would you be open to downsizing them a little bit no i again like the yeti i prefer them to be wildly impractical and i'm setting them the challenge to be completely logical and try and conquer something, but also be incredibly impractical. And I think that's an interesting challenge for them to have them just bumping into things and knocking stuff over and then talking in a silly or high-pitched logic language. So basically the the 60s monsters, uh, Zarby, Quarks, (laughs) you like the uh, barely intelligible uh, robot voices of the mechanoids. I do. I love those. And I I, I like the idea of fantastically impractical monsters um, who have to struggle on a really on a on a on a daily basis um, to be intimidating um, because they're clearly not. What would the threat from mechanoids be? It was it was more of being caught in the crosshairs, I think, in the chase. Well, I'm thinking I'm thinking their threat is quite similar to Power of the Daleks. They are discovered um, lurking in an abandoned mine, no warehouse, in an abandoned place, <laughs> and you know we're like, oh yes, let's start these up again. These look useful, um, but then they start to take over. Hmm. 
Okay, well... Yeah, you're not, that, you're not that keen, are you? I'm I'm not keen on the monster, and I think the concept needs a little bit of work. But uh, we'll put it on the maybe pile. How about that? Okay, maybe pile. Okay, that's, that's fair. That's fair. All right, my next suggestion is bring back the Scribble Monster from ah! Pure Her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scribble Monster was the... Uh, Creation of Chloe Weber. Right. Uh, okay. She, in, in her frustration, she scribbled out uh, something with a graphite pencil. The ionic energy from the isolus animated it, and the scribble monster thus terrorized the Chloe Weber's neighborhood. I think Fear Hair has gotten a real uh, short end of the stick because this uh, 2006 story was what people remember from it is not the awesomeness that is the scribble monster or the scribble creature but the uh, rather tacked on ending the of the 2012 olympic games in london where the doctor lights the olympic torch thus freeing the isolus and stuff that bit yeah that's the little kid bit but the for the kids but the scribble monster i thought was really well realized in 2006 okay and I can see this monster returning in some kind of form. It's an abstract monster, but when you scrunch it down together, it can be kind of a lovable, tribble-like monster. It's just a, a bunch of squiggly squiggly lines, and yeah. it, it has malice. Yeah, but I, would, would you have to bring back Chloe Weber as well? <laughs> Is Chloe Weber an adult now? No, no, it's not It's not Chloe Weber. It, it's the idea that you can animate graphite. Okay, all right, all right. And, you know, you wouldn't have, although uh, Chloe Weber, well, was, she was a young young girl in 2006. I know, she could be She could be an adult she now. She could be an adult with a chip on her, <laughs> continuing to have a chip on her shoulder. A massive chip. Uh, so, 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 so someone else discovers the isolus or something. And... Yeah, it doesn't even have to appear on Earth. Okay. It could be a colony of Titan or Ooh. something in the future. But right. just the idea of animated graphite is such a simple concept that it's also deals with emotions and what happens if emotions are uh, refrigerated or bottled up and this being this isolus amplifies what people repress and you could imagine a very repressed society where people are really frustrated or scribbling and their uh, internalization of this uh angst and frustration manifests its as a scribble avatar to carry out their vengeance or something and maybe the doctor since she's really trying to bring peace and harmony is trying to find a way to uh uh maybe some therapy sessions some uh okay group singing or something from the pating episode or something to kind of lower the temperature of this colony or society right right so, so there's kind of like the id monster from um, Forbidden Planet. It is. It is kind of like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I I like that. I, so, yeah. I mean, you could set it in an art school. You could. Like a space art school. We haven't ever had an art school in Doctor Who, have we? No, we haven't. I wonder why. Because it's not a very good idea. Um, <laughs> that's probably why. But I, I think we'll set it in a space art school and uh, people are... You know, they're asked to do an art project and to get out their emotions on paper. But there's a scribble monster lurking or there's an isolus lurking somewhere or maybe a bunch of isoli. And they're, they're, these creatures come alive. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, that's greenlit. Okay. Yeah, good. Your next one. Um, So we're thinking of peace and harmony here. Yep. So we're going to go with another 60s monster, Excellent. I'm afraid, which I think is ideally suited to the Jodie Doctor. 
and this is the Monoptera. <laughs> Without this, so no Zabi, none of that nonsense, just the Monoptera. So we're back on Vortis. Right. The Monoptera have seen the errors of their ways, um, so they don't have Zabi anymore as their kind of servants. The Zabi have been freed, and I don't know, they've gone to somewhere else on the planet. And uh, the Monoptera, the Monopterist, the Monoptera, I don't know what the plural of uh, the so the monop monopterous society society is very peaceful. Mm-hmm. People are flying around. They're beautiful butterfly people. There's, uh, I mean, I guess they're a bit like the fish people, aren't they? Only with only for butterflies. Right. Doctor Who, you know, it, ha- it has a, a very illustrious history of animal alien races. You know, I'm just thinking the uh, the cat people, cat nuns. I'm thinking about the Jadoon, mm-hmm. the rhinoceros police. So these are the butterfly somethings. And basically the episode is just Jodie and her friends just hanging out and having a lovely, beautiful time. So no threat, no... Yeah, they're non-binary. These Monoptera, they probably just reproduce um, asexually, which would be awesome. They're rainbow-colored wings. (laughs) It's an episode for Pride Month. I think you're going to need some kind of threat. What okay. are you going to do to up the tension of this? Because the Doctor, I don't know if we've had Doctor Who episodes where there is no threat. Okay, all right. I'm just extemporizing here. The threat to the Monoptor, to Vortis, is the Doctor and her companions themselves. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how? Yeah. Graham's in a bad mood because he's forgotten his pickles, his cheese and pickle sandwiches. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, well, Graham's gone, so it'd be Yaz. Well, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm retconning ah, backwards ah, ah. into into this is this is a missing adventure um, <laughs> because I don't really know what the new TARDIS crew is going to be like. Um, the new bloke is going to be in a bad mood. Same cheese and pickle reason. <laughs> He's going to do some stand-up comedy that's going to upset the Monoptera and the balance of their society. I don't know. Maybe it's a purely balanced society. And when when something new comes, something bad, it kind happens. of unbalances it unbalances them, and then they turn mean and evil. Hmm. Okay, that's what's going to happen. Was the Monoptera society was it a class society? I vaguely recall that there is different levels of Monoptera. Yeah, well, they, it's a slave owning society because the Zabi are their servants, right? Slaves. So there is some bad stuff in there. And they have the venom grubs. Mm-hmm. And then they have the, I can't remember what they're called now, um, the ones that live underground. They've got a name. So there are, but I think that really only happened after the after the Animus arrived. So it could be scratch the surface oh, of yes. the Monoptera Society. Yes. And you find this dark undercurrent. And There's maybe they aren't, aren't so uh, nice after all, but they're actually pretty mean. Exactly. That's what happens. And... Basically, we discover that their meanness by, you know, the Doctor and her companions arriving and it's upset their kind of harmonious balance. Basically, they're like they're, they're like the Traconite Confederation of some kind or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, which is a society in perfect harmony. And it's the Doctor arriving and that upsets the harmony and then the kind of evil um, and they become evil. They become evil, evil butterflies instead of nice ones. Well, it could raise the question, is it up to the doctor to decide that this society is wrong and upset the, you know, yeah. upend the society? If, if, if people are happy where they are, is it up for the doctor to say, no, really, you're really not. You're not really free. Could be. Could be. Yep. That seems like a Chibnall-esque plot line. Yeah, I, I think it's doable. And also, it, you know, there's some gorgeous, 
opportunity for some lovely CGI of all these butterfly people flying around, which I think would be nice. So it has potential, I think. Thank you. I don't think we can work Graham in unless it's some kind of flashback. Maybe him stepping on a butterfly accidentally or something. That would. Oh happen. yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> could be. Hmm. Right. Okay. My next suggestion is the Zulfathurins. Megloss is people. Yes. Cactus. Intelligent, hyper-intelligent cacti. Okay. And Megloss was the last of the Zulfathurins. But what if, since we are in a time travel we show, are, yes. what if we go into the height of the Zulfathurin society where we can see these humanoid cacti just generally walking around and perhaps something the doctor does following along on these lines that sets the society into decline what he overwaters them or something yeah i don't know something 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 to trigger i just thought i yeah stepping back from last week's when we were talking about uh right madame Tussauds right, right, right. and tom baker as megloss I just thought that was a, it would be a really great image to have this very pretty doctor be also this repulsive cactus doctor and give Jody the chance to play the dark side in a dual role, which is oh, uh, good. I don't, I don't really right. have a good storyline. Okay. I, I thought perhaps if we can put her back in the Zolfathurin society... It would be an interesting, uh, interesting setting for her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but I don't really have a good story. I, I think for it. But I would, I would go back to, I would go back to when Zulfathurins were not in decline. I'd go when they're more at the height of their civilization. And if we wanted to really follow on Megalos, we'd have to find uh, an actor who had previously appeared in the story to appear as a high priestess. So maybe Annika Wills could oh, nice. come back yes. as, a, uh, <laughs> as a high priestess in the Zolpathurian society or yeah. something. Or, um, yeah, of, of any, I mean, I'm blanking on her name now, but Martha, Martha <laughs> from the Tenant Doctor years could come back as a priestess. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I, think, I think this is some monsters. I mean, very often monsters are looking for a plot. I think this is Monsters Looking for a Plot. How you're describing this is reminding me of the books of China Mieville and his uh, planet or society of Baslag, um, which do have sentient cacti creatures who kind of wander. I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not really kind of empire builders. They're kind of stupid mm-hmm. and kind of lumbering creatures, but they are cacti people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we'll need to know, you know, how the Zolfifurans got to be so you know, empire building and powerful. But yeah, I, it's good to see them. But I do like Jody being confronted by a cactus double of, of, of mm-hmm. themselves. I think that's nice. And we'd have to check on Freema Agyeman's availability to play a high priestess. Yes, sorry, Freema. I was trying to remember her name. Yes, of course. But, you know, I think once once it was explained that she had the chance to be a, a sentient cactus <laughs> high priestess, um, she'd just jump at that, basically. She'd be very excited and desperate to come back to Doctor Who to play that uh, play that character. Okay, well, uh, with creative writers, I think we can make that work, but I think that sounds like it's more of a maybe waiting to see how it's treated in the script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's on the maybe pile, but kind of high up, high up to the top of the maybe pile, I think. Very good. All right. Uh, yeah. Another suggestion. 
we are having the crinoids are coming back. No touch pod. Thinking yeah. about cactus people. Yeah. So I mean, maybe maybe the crinoids could team up with the zolfothurans. <laughs> so it'd be cactus and other plants. Galactic space weeds. Galactic <laughs> space weeds. So yeah, I, I've always like I've always had a soft spot for the crinoids. Um, mm-hmm. I do like the idea of a planet, you know, covered completely by vegetation, kind of a Brian Aldiss style hot house planet where people really basically have to spend their entire time avoiding being killed by plants there's a body horror thing which obviously i always enjoy the crinoids take you over they turn you from a regular human animal into a plant creature i like that Mm -hmm. you know they had a six-parter yeah they had a lot of screen time and i think it's time for the crinoids to return i'm not quite sure how they would do that but i think it would be awesome would you want to set them on Earth, or would you set it on a jungle planet, or a planet that's already been taken over by the crinoid? I think basically what we do, we return to Spiridon, basically. So we go back to a jungle planet, and I don't know, the humans, uh, or the Thals, or whoever has basically decided to colonize Spiridon, are like extracting, cutting down the trees, and you know, be, it's like Avatar. Okay. It's, like, it's like that movie Avatar, mm-hmm. and the crinoids arrive, and basically the crinoids are good. Um, because they are fighting against the evil humans in a kind of avatar sort of way. And the doctor then has to decide, okay, who, whose side do I take? Do I take the side of the beautiful green, uh, beautiful green people, the crinoid people, um, or do I take the side of the evil humans? So it could be that this is the crinoid home planet and it's the humans colonization that triggers yep. the pod explosion into outer space that oh yeah kind of sets things in motion exactly. like it's in the seats of doom yep yep it was awful kind of a planet of a spiders type thing yeah it is planet of the spiders though of course it would have to go back in time or mm-hmm. it was like another kind of, it's a humanoid race basically it's um yeah yeah, yeah. and it's uh i guess if fitting a chibnall would be a parallel again for environmental destruction exactly and... exactly i mean it is, it is sounding very much like avatar but that's not really a problem for doctor who to have shows to basically rip off other movies and things perfect so yeah i'm there it's good okay so yeah. avatar with crinoids crinoids being the a slighted party in this story. Exactly, exactly. But I mean, they're just as they're just as powerful, and maybe a couple of the colonists are taken over. Um, and the doctor arrives and immediately, oh yeah, you've got crinoids, mate. We're going to have to do something about this until she realizes that actually the crinoids are the good guys here. So does she team up with crinoids, or does she convince yes. the colonists to leave, or how how do how she are you? She convinces the colonists to leave. By teaming up with the crinoids. Yes, that's exactly what happens. Basically, they have no choice. The uh, crinoids are already too established, but the, the damage is already done. The pods are launched into space. The pods are launched, launch the pods. The final shot are the, the pods spinning through space, a bit like the opening shot of John Carpenter's The Thing, which, of course, is one of the influences on the original, the original Seeds of Doom. So, yeah. Excellent. Always big fan of crinoids. I think that could work. It's a nice new twist on the crinoids. Even though we are lifting heavily from Avatar, I think there's enough bits there. It also reminds me of the Dragon Riders of Pern with the Anne McCaffrey story with crinoid pods. and Indeed, indeed, indeed. Seed threads and stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a concept that is uh, exclusive to uh, Avatar or Doctor Who. So it's a fertile ground of sci-fi. Absolutely. And yeah, I think the kids love it. 
and maybe maybe we'll get some full-size uh, chronoid action figures oh let's hope so let let let's hope so with little <laughs> wheels on the bottom oh no 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 they're kind of squashy plastic they should have done that with you know they had the big squashy plastic um trash eggs they should have done that with crinoids maybe they will i totally would have would have bought a crinoid glove puppet b&m coming out with the big full-size crinoid glove puppet there you go i mean it's a lot that kind of plastic's a lot cheaper to work with than you know the hard plastic so come on bnn get your act together crinoids let's do it seems like it would be an easier a sculpt to do than a a, a person's face Absolutely. crinoids are kind of a blob just a blob with. with tentacles yep 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 in flowers all right so for my final suggestion, I'm going to go with one of my favorite monsters that's never appeared, um, uh, that's only appeared once uh, in Doctor Who. Wow, yeah. Um, it's had a return in the Doctor Who Adventure Games in 2011, and I speak of Terence Dix's creation, which was based off of an idea from uh, Robert Holmes, none other than the Rutan of Horror Fang Rock. Now these, uh, you're right, of course. They're big jellyfish aliens. When they returned in the uh, Gunplotter plot, uh, written, scripted by Phil Ford, they were floating jellyfish. And I think think these would work well. And uh, in the Gunplotter plot, it was set in 1605 as Rutans versus Santarans. Guy Fox was involved, etc. I would have a Rutan exclusive story. I wouldn't bring in the Santarans for their return. But I would take the kind of gaseous jellyfish aliens, floating jellyfish aliens that would be at home, both floating above the water and on water. And they're very deadly with their electricity or electrical attacks. They're able to shapeshift. I think they're a fascinating, fascinating monster that could work easily. And it's a simple, simple plot. It's uh, humans versus the Rutans. They're in a aqua colony somewhere off in earth's future and the rutans see this as a strategic planet for their unending war of the santarans and it's the doctor helps defend the human colonies base under siege base under siege and it's just classic doctor who so the rutans are going to use their shape-shifting abilities absolutely yeah and um, which i liked actually i, I it's often seems to be slightly lazy the, the kind of Zygon level shape-shifting where it's like, yes, it's exactly the same as a human. I like the Rutans because, of course, they're not actually, they're not, they're not very good shape-shifters um, <laughs> because they're kind of green and starey and really not particularly human at all. And I think that adds an interesting twist to their work. If it's an underwater base, um, maybe uh, maybe the humans can uh, elicit the support of the fish people. <laughs> Could be. It's fish, fish people versus uh, versus alien jellyfish. Hmm. Maybe not, but definitely no. I've I've always actually been confused why the runes have not returned. Um, they seem to be quite they're cheap to do because they're shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows you know shapeshifting monsters the cheapest kind of monster because it just looks like regular people. Cast an actor exactly. Yep. So uh, yeah, I'm you know I'm thinking maybe there's some link up with the gangers, huh. which are also kind of you know blobby. Hmm. Like, not very successful <laughs> doppelgangers, why they're called gangers. Maybe the Rutans can il- infiltrate that weird mine where they're mining that goo. Could be, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Perhaps. Yeah. I think the Rutans never made a return is because in the uh, Horror of Fang Rock, the Rutan, Reuben the Rutan, was 
injured, so it kind of had to drag itself up the stairs. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't well. Now, if you go with the floating gas-filled jellyfish alien, I think that's a much... It's certainly realizable with today's uh, special effects technology, and electrical shock and oh yeah electrical creatures love it yeah uh, shape-shifting i th- yep. yeah i think it's a it's a really interesting concept and i was just reading how some of the moons around jupiter i think it was um, europa is considered to be a water moon and i could totally see europa being useful outpost it's effectively the same kind of plot hook that Terrence Dick used with Horror Fang Rock, that they're scouting out Earth for a front on the Rutan versus Santaran War. But again, that's kind of the Doctor Who. It's a, it's a perfect monster for kind of a base under siege Doctor Who. And you would have a whole troop of Rutans rather than a, a single one. They're a horde, aren't they? The, aren't they a Rutan horde? I don't know, a horde or colony or, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that, yeah, no, they're, and they're, they have one of those um, kind of shared intelligence things going on, don't they? Yes, I mean, they're super powerful. And um, I've always liked the idea, you know, there's this huge war going on, like, all the time mm-hmm. that really we just kind of notice when that war kind of gets interested <laughs> where, we, where we're in the way. We're just kind of incidental. The Rudens don't care about conquering us. Mm-hmm. All they care about is kind of beating the Sontarans. And I really like that. So, yeah, it's time the Rudens came back. It is. I mean, the Sontarans came back. Um, you know, we'll get Strax <laughs> uh, back on the case. And it'll be, yeah, be excellent. Yep, I'm greenlit. Greenlit with electrical crackling sound. Excellent. Okay, yes. y- your final suggestion. My final suggestion is... I'm upset that this alien is not returned. I think it was one of the very best uh, realized. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. This okay. is actually true. I'm, this, this isn't a joke one. This is a real one. Um, one of the very best realized alien creatures, which is the Axons. Ah, yes. The vampire from space. Mm-hmm. You know, again, totally suited for, for base under siege. Again, like the Rutans, kind of ineffective shapeshifters, if you see what I mean. I mean, they can shapeshift into something that looks nice, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're actually evil, and they can shapeshift back into their kind of evil form. Mm-hmm. Um, just a psychedelia. I think there's some great opportunity for some great CGI, and maybe the Axons invade Top of the Pops or something. And, you know, we have a full kind of, you know, 1970s. Eurovision. Eurovision. The Axons are trying to take over Eurovision. <laughs> They're, they're the UK's entrant for Eurovision. Exactly, in 1974. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. So, yeah, Axon should come back. Versus ABBA. I like them. <laughs> yeah, they're the, the golden ones, you know. I mean, I, they've, I guess they've come back in the, uh, in the comic strip very effectively. But it's time that they came back. I like the Axons. I think there's a lot of good stuff to be done. And, um, yeah, the base is under siege by Axons. There's certainly a slice of fandom that's clamoring for a Doctor Who musical. And if you have musical axons, vampiritic axons, killing off the competition, and the Doctor has to solve it at uh, Eurovision. Yeah. Space Eurovision. Space Eurovision. uh, And their evil plan is to win Eurovision and then kind of Varden style, then kind of project their axon consciousness through everyone's vision screens. And take over the galaxy. Well, their downloads would be some kind of... Uh, yes, they get downloaded. Yes, it's, that's it, it. It's a society where we have replicators. So they have a hit single that's gone viral, literally viral. And it downloads 
infiltrating uh, replicators and the Internet of Things that would uh, take over the planet and drain it of all life. Or alternatively, here's another Axon plot. Um, they use their giant toads. Um, <laughs> their giant, are they frogs Hypno or toads? toads? I can't remember. Frogs, yeah, I think. A race of giant frogs um, to infiltrate something maybe... Like that one that's set in Sweden where the frog ends, where comes at the end. It's an Axon frog. Anyway, I think the, there's some great Axon stuff to go um, and Axons need to come back and that's my pitch. Would you have UNIT involved? Um, is this space Eurovision or is this regular Eurovision? Uh, it depends. Are we setting it in the future? Uh, space Eurovision, yeah. well... You, I like you... space Eurovision, so I don't think UNIT are going to be involved. Okay. Um, but I think... Um, I, you know, I, here's the thing. So I think basically we're in a kind of a sort of depressed colony world, basically. Mm-hmm. A sort of a Mars-style colony world. So you'd have different colonies all competing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's like colony in space. So they need the axons because the axons are able to grow giant frogs for everyone to eat. <laughs> and the Eurovi- the kind of Eurovision or colony vision or whatever it is, is a kind of bread and circuses thing that the evil government puts on to kind of cheer everyone up. Colovision. Uh, yep, and the Axons are going to use that, as you say, to kind of replicate themselves, kind of digital download to basically take over all the all the colonies and do their vampire stuff. Excellent. Yeah. That sounds like season finale bit to me. Uh, that's a total season finale. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know how the Doctor's going to foil the Axon plan. Um, She's going to have to sing. She's going to have to win the contest. That, it's, it's basically it's like Victoria. She sings but hits a really, really high note. And that um, scrambles the download. Scrambles the download. There you go. Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. So we had to go through the whole. The doctor has to like learn a song. Uh, they have get to get a do, costume. Like, a, get a get a sexy costume. Do a dance. See, yes, where, dancing. Like, a, yep. Where their skirt gets pulled off or something. Um, <laughs> sexy you know, cat suit underneath. Sexy cat suit. That's it. Push up bra. You know the whole <laughs> kind of Eurovision thing. The doctor's going to be super uncomfortable with it, as are we, to be honest. Um, but but they're going to have to do it in order to beat save the axons, the colonies. Yep. save the colonies, exactly. Because the axons, because the axons, they had to see their entrance to the to, to, to colony vision. Um, is these beautiful kind of? They're not. They're not. They're not people dressed in gold cat suits. They are gold cat suits. Yeah, yeah. And I think we can pay homage, a little callback to Bill Filer. A descendant of Bill Filer is kind of running a space Eurovision. Yeah. Well, no, here's his thing. So, so the descendant of Bill Filer is the commentator who's oh, kind of yeah. doing the commentary over Colony Vision. Yeah. Um, and he's called, I don't know, some space name Filer. Tarrant Filer, something like that. Phil Byler. Phil Byler. There, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> It's this this stuff writes itself. Come on, it does. It yep. does. Yeah, perfect. It's a de- it's a it's a two parter. It's a season finale. Season finale. And it, this is there's this great montage of the Doctor trying to you know get in their costume, learning their song, etc. Mm-hmm. etc. Great montage scene with you know the, the companions kind of yeah, Doctor, you can do this. Yep. Yeah. New costume change too, and she she likes her new costume, and she'll stick with it. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Okay. Okay. Right. Good. Well, I, I've not been keeping score, but I think uh, both of us have come up with some great concepts for returning, from aliens returning. I think it's uh, monsters, monsters, monster, aliens, monsters. It's uh, whatever they are. Exactly, it's, it's a matter of perspective. It is exactly the doctor would who's never say, call things a monster. Yeah, who's to say who is who's the real monster here? Mm. 
Yeah. Who are the Walking Dead? Ah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and and yes, exactly. So uh, it's it's this is this is great. Yeah, I I don't know why they I don't know why the BBC don't hire us. Well, we're we're in the states. I think is the main reason. That's true. That's true. It'd have to be BBC America. That's true. BBC America, (laughs) come on, hire us. We'll come up with some amazing concepts for new for new shows for new Doctor Who based shows for you. There you go. Perfect. Excellent. Okay. Well, if you leave feedback in our Twitter or send us an email, BBC, we'll. (laughs) We'll get back to you. Until then. Until then. Thank you for listening to episode 190 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been coming up with new plots for old monsters with Ben. And I have been imagining Jodie Whittaker in a push-up bra with David. <laughs> Jeez. No, that's bad. I shouldn't do that one. And I... <laughs> um, and I have been... Um, uh, I don't know. I'll be dressing up in a gold cat suit like an Axon would do with David. There's a mental image for you. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. There. Perfect. All right. Uh, good. Thanks, that was... folks, for listening. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Bye. <laughs> right. Let's get a shift on. Look at the stars. Look how they shine for you. And everything you do Yeah, they were all yellow I came along I wrote a song for you And all the things you do And it was called yellow So then I took my turn What a thing to have done And it was all yellow Your skin, oh yeah, your skin